Good morning and welcome to the Sports Offensive. Uh, we are coming to you live from Denver, Colorado this morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Sports Offensive. I am your host, JP, coming to you live here from Denver, Colorado. Uh, we have on the phone lines, we're doing a little bit different today. Mark is uh, house-sitting, and I'm at my apartment here. Uh, we're going through the phone lines today, so just bear with us. We haven't done this in quite some time. Um, let's get Mark on the line here. Uh, Mark Ademus, Mark Flory, how are you doing this morning? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, down here... Uh... Actually, uh, in Nate Dog's humble abode, taking care of the pooches for the evening and, uh, you know, sway and watch over the house. And uh, it's a beautiful morning out here. It's, we've finally reached that time of year where nighttime is going to drop down into the 50s, making it real comfortable to sleep. Uh, this weekend, I believe, is the last hurrah. This is the last time we're going to come close to 90 degrees, hopefully, for the whole year. So uh, that's got me feeling good. Uh, fantasy last year or last week, I went three and two. That's got me feeling good. Uh, didn't do great on bets, but also didn't do terrible. So that's got me feeling pretty good. And I got to tell you, JP, CNCU be two and zero, and having faced down Nebraska in an epic, amazing comeback game. Uh, I'm very excited for this year when I wasn't planning on it for Buff football. No, I agree with you 100%. That game was absolutely exciting. I know it was kind of a snoozer in the first half, and then CU came alive in the third quarter, and uh, the finish of that game was tremendous, and it was one of the more exciting finishes I've seen in quite some time. It's good to see uh, winning football up in Folsom after the way the Buffs ended last year on um, a six-game slide. 
to have Nebraska come in and uh, take care of the Cornhuskers like that is always good to see. They've got Air Force today up at Folsom Field. That's going to be another good game to watch. They are only favored by three. I'm a little worried about that point spread or that line right now, only being favored by three against an Air Force team. So I'm a little bit worried about that spread. It's a little low in my opinion. It should probably be a little bit higher. But, hey, you know what? Those odds makers know a little something more than we always do. Exactly. I mean, if the Lions fans are saying this is what's going on, it's probably going to be somewhat close unless something dramatic happens uh, in the day. And, you know, JP, something that came up watching that game, watching a few other college games, and uh, especially one who ended up watching NFL on Sunday, is, you know, I think more than anything, more than gameplay, more than talent, more than even like drives, it's, I think what really wins football games is just attitude. And I feel like that, like for the Broncos, that's something I feel like there hasn't been. There isn't a lot of attitude. Still didn't really even see that when they lost on Monday night to the Raiders. But you look at CU, and I feel like they have taken on the, you know, the attitude of their coach. Their coach is just kind of like, no, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. And I, I just think that that's so impressive, and it made me think of the Patriots who – you know, again, look like they're on their way to storming through the league. It is an attitude thing, and I don't know how you install attitude unless it just bleeds off the head coach. Where do you think that kind of thing comes from? You know, I'm going to agree with the, the head coach. So, uh, you know, um, CU's head coach comes through from us from an SEC program down in Georgia, and he brought that SEC mentality. And you saw it at halftime. When, he, when they did the halftime interview, he talked about making those halftime adjustments and his coaching staff, and he did a great job at doing those halftime adjustments and coming out and putting it on Nebraska last week. So you see what that SEC uh, motivation really kind of brings out um, when you have a, a coach like that and the way they practice up in Boulder here. Um, you know, you hear stories coming out of the summer camp about just there's a huge change in attitude from the uh, past regime. And, you know, we saw it. I, I did watch all of the Broncos game. Um, on Monday night because it would start it later, so it made it a lot easier. Um, and you didn't yeah. see that kind of attitude out there. And, you know, you hit it on the head. You, you really need to see that attitude. And the, the Broncos losing to the Raiders, you, you didn't see it. And CU beating Nebraska, you saw that attitude kind of get smacked into them in the second half of that game. So it was really good to see it from a CU squad. Yeah, and, you know, and just being alma mater, obviously, and, and being a hometown team, it's just fun to have your team compete, whether or not you really care if they win the big one. I, you know, I would just like to see them get to go to a bowl game again. You know, just a little something for the students. Uh, you know, any, any player that's been there from their freshman year and this is their senior year, you know, you like to always make sure that, uh, you know, they get to go to have a, a bowl game experience at least once, uh, you know, while they're in college. So uh, just good things to see and, and very encouraging. Uh, and I, like you said, the game today, you know, which you would think should be, you know, I mean, usually Air Force doesn't put off that dominating the team. But then if I remember right, they've been not terrible for a number of years now. So I'm sure we're going to get a spirited battle. And uh, do you happen to know when the game time is today? Uh, game time for this one um, today versus Air Force is it's going to be at 11 a.m. our time. So, it's a 1 o'clock game East Coast. We got some noon games. We don't have any um, 
uh, any uh, ranked opponents playing head-to-head this weekend, this is kind of trap weekend for the games coming up next week. Obviously, Notre Dame-Georgia will be next week. We've got a couple other big games coming up next week and the week after. This is the, 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 this is, this is the week where a lot of the big names are playing very um, – lower end schools, but that also makes for a lot of traps, a lot of upsets, and a lot of really interesting point spreads where you can you can pick some uh, pick some teams. And I do have my upset special. I know Maryland flopped last week from uh, being a point and a half underdog to a point and a half favorite, but they stole it out and won by 40. So, you know, I want to take that one as a victory, I think. So I'm going to say I'm 2-0 and right now. And I've got a great upset special for you today. That game will be on at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. And we'll come up and get to that in just a couple minutes. Excellent, excellent. Uh, before we get too deep into the show, I think we, like, we should probably run through the uh, sports offensive trivia question of the week. Uh, yep. So the question for this week is what NFL team has the best opening day record winning percentage? Uh, and I did a winning percentage because wins overall isn't really fair for a team that, you know, joined the league later. So I wanted to make sure it was just people, you know, what, what they've done over their opening days for the, the, the tenure of the franchise. So if you yep, know the no, answer to that I, question. I like this question. It's a good question because uh, there are some um, – there's some teams that are floppers in early September, and there's some teams that uh, really kind of – they stick out on opening days. And then, you know, whatever right. happens with their season and injuries and so on and so forth. Um, so it's a very good question. It's like those coaches where they're like, well, if you've got this coach coming off a of bye, then you're going to have a tough time, a tough go of it, right, because they're such a good coach. And uh, so I think it does have something to do with when you have that extended time period, uh, you maybe are able to put together a more formulaic game plan and really tailor it to your opponent. Although I would say week one in the NFL taught us yet again that there is no, there's just, there's no sure thing outside of the Patriots, really. I mean, it, we, we saw a lot of stunning games. We'll kind of run through the schedule uh, from last week because I think it portends a lot to what's going to be happening over the course of the season. But a very exciting week one in, like I said, both college and in the NFL, lots of great finishes, lots of games where you were, you know, you were in it down to the wire. You had to watch the last play to really see what happened in the game. And I, I'm happy to see that. I think that the lack of – the last few years, I felt there was a slight decrease in the um, uh, parity of the league. And we were getting a lot of blowout games and a lot of boring games. And I felt like I didn't see that a lot last weekend. How do you feel? You know, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I like the parity in the league that we have right now. Obviously, we didn't get to see the Patriots and Steelers put any of that parity uh, to the test with, uh, with uh, the Patriots no. just dominating the Steelers. Um, but, yeah, definitely across the board, more parity uh, in the league. You know, there's some really big questions. We had the Thursday night game this week. Cam Newton is now – 0-8 in his last eight starts. I mean, what has gone on with the camster there? And, uh, you know, maybe he should stop focusing on what he's wearing to the press conference and winning a couple football games. I'm not sure if he saw what he was wore to the post-game press conference. Uh, I've, I didn't in that, but I'm well-versed in, in Cam's dress style from previous years. Uh, I know he always loved to have, like, the uh, – not a bowler hat, but like, a, uh, like kind of a semi-fedora hat, kind of like Indiana Jones-style hat. Um, I've seen him wear that a lot, and uh, I did see his hair this time, which that just looked uncomfortable in the helmet. 
I don't care what kind of hairstyle you have. Oh, yeah. He basically looks like Sideshow Bob to me, you know, from The Simpsons, when he had his hair kind of just all sticking yeah. out into little, like, you know, little cones. But I just don't – it just looks, it looks painful to put in the helmet. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just presses down and, it, and it's nothing. But I would think you would not want to – You know, that's always just watching the, that postgame press conference. He looked like he was channeling his, uh, his – uh, the artist formerly known as Prince – uh, with what he had on, because it was just outrageous. Well, did he pull it off? Oh, he pulled. He, I think he's always going to pull it off. It was just it, when you think of an NFL player coming up to the podium, you just don't think of what if he what he had on <laughs> that he actually had it on. It's just one of those things that gets some a little bit mind-boggling. Of you know, who picked that out for you, or where did you even find that? Is really what it was. It was one of just one of those outfits that you don't think you'd ever find in a store somewhere. I would think uh, it makes me, uh, whenever I think about crazy outfits or crazy get-ups, I always think of Clinton Porter's. you remember the kind of stuff that he used to wear? Oh, yeah. Yep, I do remember Clinton's yeah. outfits. Uh, you know, Clinton obviously played with the Redskins and came out and played for us here, uh, but he always had those outrageous outfits, too. You know, wearing the, the full of well, I guess not a scarf. I don't know what you call a scarf made of, like, feathers. It kind of looks like a boa almost, you know, and then the big floppy hats and the big, you know, the big exaggerated sunglasses and stuff. But you know what? Clinton was ahead of his time. He knew about making a brand before making a brand really existed, you know? He was one of those first people to kind of um, to learn that you could market yourself outside of what your team was doing, which I think is a good deal. Uh, which, you know, I want to kind of segue that before we, you know, go any further into the NFL. I want to finish up on college football. And, sure. I, you know, you, you talked about Tim Tebow going off the other day, and I thought maybe you would want to, you know, kind of clue the uh, listeners into what he was going on about. You know, he, he, he was on first take, and it was, it was started to get brought up about different teams and this and that. And Timmy never really gets fired up when he's doing interviews. He got fired up at this one, and it was a really good exchange, and it just came down to more of the parity and the, the teams that are playing, which teams, and so on and so forth. It was just one of those things where I think Tim just needed to express himself a little bit more because when he comes on first take, he's pretty even-keeled all the time. And uh, he definitely was not even-keeled this past time. So, you know, it was one of those where they kind of got on about a couple different things because he does work for the SEC network and he does do uh, appearances on ESPN. So it was just it was one of those things where it's nice to see Timmy get fired up a little bit because he's always been the model citizen and he never he didn't get on the line or anything like that. It just showed you the passion he still has for the game of college football. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, I, I thought that I had read that he had made some comments regarding whether or not players could get paid uh, to play in the, in, in the NCAA. And I think that he kind of, it seemed to me like he was taking the position that they, they probably shouldn't get paid, which to me is kind of a different position than players tend to take. And I do wonder about that sometimes. I wonder, like, if players could start getting paid, how would they get paid? And, like, would it be equal? Because you think what would happen is as soon as you say you can pay a player, then you would think all the big schools like Alabama with those massive boosters who just love college football, I could just see them flood the market with money. And you say, like, oh, well, there'd be a limit. You know, each team can only give out this much money. But you know how that stuff works then some dude's going to figure out a way to, you know, funnel it through something else and get it to the players. 
And I think we're going to end up with kind of the situation that you saw in that Nick Nolte movie that was about college basketball called Blue Chip, you know, or Blue Chips. And you're going to see all these players gravitating to the point where the only reason the player won't go to a Clemson, an Alabama, a Georgia, an Oklahoma, a Texas, or Notre Dame, the only reason they don't go to those schools is because they desperately want to be a starter and are willing to pass up the extreme money. I mean, do you think that's going to happen? Uh, it's one of those subjects, and, and, you know, this came about because the, the state of California came out with a ruling about paying players, and it kind of brought up the conversation that Tim Tebow got into about how would you even do that. And there isn't really a fair way to actually do it because you've got to remember, these smaller schools that are playing these bigger schools today, uh, they are getting a paycheck to go fund the rest of their athletic program for the rest of the year here. So it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's a really touchy situation, and I'm not sure there's an answer for it in the next couple of years, but it's been around college football now as a discussion topic for a couple of years now, and I, I, you know, the, like EA Sports, college football, they had to take that away because they were using the players' likenesses on the cover, or on the cover of the uh, the CD case, and, and that went away, and, and you, know, you know, Herb Street, who's on um, – Right now we have a, a college game day on from Ames, Iowa, for the Iowa State-Iowa game. And, uh, you know, he's a big factor. He says, bring back the college football. You know, let's have these kids out there. You're using their stats, their numbers. You know, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a shame that we're so in a society where being politi- politically correct sometimes takes away from some of the fun that we get to have. And just looking at the whole pay-to-play thing and how you would even begin to structure that – I don't have an answer for it. It's one of the, the harder debates you're ever going to try to figure out. I mean, because if you look at what's going on in the NBA right now with these uh, double max salaries, uh, the NFL players that are holding out now, where do we kind of take the line and stop the line, draw the line, hold the line, or even set a line in college football of a fair and equal way to do it? And I don't have that answer. I don't think anyone does right now. No, I agree. That's the, that's the biggest crux of it all. I don't know how to make it fair or how to make it equitable so that, I mean, because you obviously have players that are earning more, players that are going to be drawing in more revenue. And I don't know if you say, exactly. you know, maybe you just, maybe you just put a one, I mean, not one, put a $2, raise the price of jerseys $2, and give any player who sells any of Jersey under their name, they should get, you know, 10% or something. But then how do you track it? How do you know? I mean, the bookstore might say, oh, well, you know, we actually sold 700 of this Jersey, but we're going to say we sold 500 so we can keep that extra cap. You know what I mean? Something's like, something's going to happen. Yeah. It's just going to be nonstop. There'll be corruption. You know, that's always happened, right? It doesn't matter how wonderful of an idea you have. That could work wonderfully because there's lots of those ideas. We see them in politics. We see them in sports. We see them all over the place where it's like, you know what? If everyone followed the spirit of this rule or this or this plan or this you know, organization, everything would, would work out great. We would all do well and everyone would be happy. But it never works that way because there's always someone and usually more than one someone who says, well, I want more. I want to take advantage of this. I want to crush it. You know, so. That, I think, to me, that's, that's the biggest problem that you're going to run into. How, how you do this, where you, I mean, I could just see it like, think of that when you're in a job, right? And you're working, 
on on a, on a call floor or, or a, you know like a data floor, and you're constantly complaining to your bosses that you're having to work 11 or 12 hour days to keep up with the demands you know for whatever it is you're doing, and so you beg management to finally get you some help, and then instead of bringing in four people so you can all now work occasional overtime and still hit your numbers, they bring in so many people that now no one gets overtime and now you're bored part of the day. And you're like, well, why can't you just find a happy medium, you know? And I think that's the same thing that's gonna happen over and over if we start paying college players. And I don't begrudge them wanting to get paid. I don't like it when someone uses something I've done to make money. I can totally understand how when it means big money, you really don't want them doing it. But, you know, are they the ones that even cause the problem with um, NCAA sports on, on, on that EA makes for video game machines or, or for computers. I, I mean, what actually happened? I don't even remember the exact cause. Like, who filed a lawsuit saying you can't use our likeness without compensating us? Because the players don't have a union in college, you know, and maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe the players need a union, in which case. Now they're going to be considered professionals and not amateur. So are you guessing that was, is what happened? And you tell me if, if I'm wrong, but if you are not an amateur, you can't play for college, right? Uh, that's correct. I know there's a rule with uh, the baseball players getting minor league contracts. And like Russell Wilson, he played um, NC State, and then he transferred to Wisconsin, but he was already in, uh, I, believe, I believe it was the Yankees organization, if I remember right, where he was playing some minor league deals. There are a couple ways that they've tweaked that with uh, the different sports. Uh, I do know that, but once you, um, like, like you, you, the big thing is you have to play uh, three full seasons of college football to make yourself eligible for the NFL draft. You can't come out early, like after one year with the kids in basketball camp. So it's one of those maturity things where they, 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 they always say that that rules there to protect the players so they don't come out too early to go into the NFL game because the NFL game is very violent. And they want the maturity process of those kids going through all these camps and workouts and so on and so forth. And, you know, that just adds a whole other spectrum about, you know, are we holding them back too long or, or this, that, the other thing. And like I said, I don't have, uh, I, I don't know how there's an easy way to come up with a, a solution for this at all. But the kids should have some sort of um, stipend or, or some sort of fund where they should be getting something back because they're devoting hours upon hours a day, not to mention studying too, to play college football and play, uh, you know, other sports. And uh, anyone that's played at, you know, at a high level in college will tell you, you know, when you're up at 5 a.m. and you're running morning drills and you have to go to class, then you have two days in the afternoon, then you have to go study. It's, it's not a very easy lifestyle to maintain. And, you know, the, it's one of the like I said. There's not an easy, easy uh, solution to this whatsoever. And yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to maybe having some ulterior thoughts come out maybe in the next year or two because I know it keeps getting brought up every single year at the start of the year. Then we get into the season and it kind of boils, you know, it all calms down a little bit. And then it gets to the off season. We start talking about spring games and how much money, or you know, how, you know, Penn State at their spring games put seventy thousand people in Beaver Stadium in a spring game and a scrimmage. 
So, you know, you have these teams that are, you know, putting 80,000 people in for their spring games, and they make the concessions off of, or they make the money off of the concessions, they do this, they do that. So there is a balance of power that needs to be looked at in the NC2A about, you know, making this a little fair for the, for the kids. Let me ask you this. Do you know where all the money, the revenue that TV networks pay for college games, where does that money go? Does it actually go to the school? The revenue for, like, let's say, you mean, like, uh, selling tickets and all that? No, being on TV. Oh, being on TV. Uh, that goes back to the school. Um, the school has deals. Uh, well, the league's all. Actually, it goes back to the schools through their different uh, conferences. Um, all the conferences have um, deals worked out with different, um, you know, the SEC network, the ACC network, um, through ABC, through CBS. Uh, CBS is an SEC network, basically. They do SEC games. Um, they all have deals where the conference gets an allotment of the, of the, the revenue source from the TV-generated games. Like tonight, we have Clemson and Syracuse up at Syracuse. This is a game where Clemson got tripped up two years ago. Uh, definitely ain't looking for that had happened tonight. Syracuse looked absolutely atrocious last week and blown down by Maryland. Um, but you, it goes back to the conferences, and the conferences divvy it up amongst the teams. As, as far as I remember how it went, that's how it went. Okay, I got you. I'm just, I was just trying to think of if there was any way you could set up a payment arrangement, but I just don't think you can without causing other issues. I, I guess the other problem you're going to run into, of course, is that we don't know how much of this revenue that they receive is used and utilized towards uh, making other sports successful or, or funding other right. sports that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. There's not really a solution I can think of. I just thought it was interesting how the topic, keep, the topic keeps coming up, but I've never heard a good solution. As far as, like, college foot, uh, football playoffs, you know, ESPN had a special where Berman laid out a wonderful way you could do the playoffs, and you, like, didn't add any games to their regular season or their overall schedule, but, you know, they might end up playing, the, like, I think it was, like, one extra game if they went to the title game, but you know, using all the existing bowls to do a tier-up system to the championship and stuff. And the only downside, of course, would be that, you know, some teams would get more shut out or wouldn't get to go to a bowl, and then some teams would play multiple bowls in the a, in a same, same year. But at least it was a solution. And as far as this paying the players thing, I've just never heard a solution that would work because schools make different amounts. And let's, let's say Notre Dame, who has its own contract with NBC – you know, they're going to get extra, they must get more money. Or the Texas Longhorns who have their own network, they must get more money. And does that mean they pay their players more? Does that mean that Notre Dame and Texas would be the, the you know, if you were a blue chip five-star athlete, you would be going to Texas or to Notre Dame because you get paid more, right? I mean, that's what, see, and you know, that's what I would see happening. You, you, you brought up a good point there because uh, the deal that Notre Dame has with NBC, there was two teams in the running for that. The other team was Penn State. It came down to Penn State and Notre Dame, and Notre Dame inked the deal. Penn State stayed down with the deal because they wanted the, the flexibility to, be going, to move around on different networks and times and so on and so forth because NBC kind of dictates when they put Notre Dame on. And then you mentioned the Longhorn Network. A&M was the direct result of leaving 
the Big 12 because they did not want to pay into the Longhorn Network um, because once you were in that network, you all had a kind of uh, your own dues that you had to pay to the Longhorn Network to be broadcasted. Oh, yeah. So, so that, the Longhorn Network wanted a little bit now, of a monopoly on their own. You don't want other schools paying for other schools' networks to then pay their players. I mean, that's a whole other thing. You know, be like, hey, you could have been paying our kids this, you know, as long as you didn't have to pay the Longhorns 10%, we could have given that to the players and kept the rest. You know, I mean, it's just, it's so sticky of a situation. And, you know, anybody can just tell you just from just their own personal income. And like, you know, there was an article I read the other day saying, if you had two kids and you lived in a coastal, large metropolitan area, like a New York, a San Francisco, an LA, uh, Boston, one of those kind of cities, you could make $350,000 and still barely get by. And, of course, there was little perks that, you know, you don't have if, you, if you're not making big money like this. Well, you could not take in the kids to uh, private school and do public school, or you could um, cut down the number of times, the number of vacations a year and stuff like that. And it just goes to, you know, then in somebody like me or somebody even, you know, worse off, read that kind of thing and says, well, wait a minute, I, I can't even afford to go on a vacation every year. I just want every other year, you know. And these people are going on four. It's not really fair. But then you think that's how life probably should be, though. If you look at how happy people are in certain areas of the world, you know, they do take three vacations a year. They've got, you know, a month and a half of, of off time minimum a year. You know, it's just kind of how it goes. And it, it, that problem's going to circle back to, you know, to Collins, where if you just don't know how much money you're going to be making compared to another school, and you just have no idea how much you could pay a player versus another school. And you couldn't even fix that with some kind of an algorithm for, well, you know, the, the richer schools have to, everybody has to pull into a pool, right? In a big pool of money, all the schools put a certain percentage of their revenue in there, you know, whether it be like 2%, 5%, whatever. And then you say every single player in college football gets the exact same amount out of that. But then you're going to start hearing people saying, well, wait a minute, that guy rides the bench. You know, why is he getting paid when I'm the starting quarterback? I should get paid more. And, you know, we're just going to start the whole holdout issue that you have in, uh, in the NFL, right? Going to have a, a whole yeah, team. Yeah, you know, say, oh, the one thing not, that college football practice. did kind of give the – College football kind of gave in to the athletes a little bit with the new transfer portal and making it easier for them to move to a different team if they're getting stuck on a bench where a player comes in and they know they're not going to play. So that's one of the concessions the NCAA did make to the athletes where they made it easier for them to transfer to another school so they could get exposure and get, you know, NFL scouts looking at them for the combine. So, you know, the, the, the NCAA has tried to do a little bit of, of things for, for their athletes. They're just not, there's no easy way to make it above and beyond right now. Right. No, no yeah, I totally agree. So, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry we can't offer our listeners any kind of an actual solution to the issue, but uh, yeah. I do think it's an important issue to at least bring up because it's not going away and uh, it is hampering things a little bit. And it, it's kind of funny when you think back to when we were kids, right? You and I, we only got to watch the local college. We only got to watch the local baseball team. We only got to watch the local football team. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe you yep. live where I live, you had Oakland and you had the Giants, 
So you got to see two teams' games, or you got to see the Oakland Raiders, and you got to see the San Francisco 49ers football games. But the downside of that was if you were a transplant person or you happened to like a different team, you only got to see your team when they were on a national televised game, which wasn't very often. Just Well, it just was Monday night for a long time for football. And I think for yep. baseball, yep. It was they had Saturday day baseball. And then, you know, then the ESPN comes around, right? And then all of a sudden, now you get to have Tuesday night baseball, too. And so you got to see your teams. And then they had the Tuesday night doubleheader. And so now you're like, oh, now I get to see they'll have an early game for the East Coast people and a late game for the West Coast people. And that made it a lot better. Then they added Wednesday night baseball. Well, then they added Sunday night baseball. And before you know it, there's all these extra games going on. And it kind of made it feel a lot better in terms of if you wanted to see more teams or uh, more interesting games or just see teams you hadn't played, players you hadn't seen before. And then, of course, you know, the networks all start merging, which, you know, you can think it's bad that all these networks popped up and merged and went together in sports networks and things like that because now, you know, they're, just, they're making so much money and there's all these issues and these blackouts and the Dish Network can't get a, a network to sign. You can't watch the games and Root Sport can't get picked up by anybody. And so you can't watch those games. And you just realize that, you know, all the way back to where it was originally, you only ever got to see your team. And now you get a chance to see pretty much everything. So there's a good and a bad, right? There's the wonderful of we now get to immerse ourselves in sports. I mean, my goodness, when we were kids, could you even have fathomed there's going to be a channel that just shows teams basically about to score in the NFL? I mean, what a wonderful channel that is. I mean, if you've ever watched Red Zone Channel, especially if you're a fantasy uh, football player, it's amazing. I mean, you're just sitting there, and you don't, have, you don't really get a sense sometimes of the games, which is a shame. Like, you may not understand the flow of a certain game unless it happens to be in scoring drives often, and so it's on the Red Zone Channel. But it is something to say you saw all the scoring plays. You saw how each team got their points throughout the day, and not just for fantasy, which is why I think that channel was created, but it's a hell of a lot more exciting because if you're watching just a standard game, you throw on Sunday night football, what do they say? You get like five minutes of actual moving game time, right? Like there's not much actual play going on. A lot of it is the in-between, the moving the sticks, the huddles, the calling the plays, the, you know, the timeouts and all that kind of stuff. You just don't even see that much. So, you know, all these things can be so good. And then the downside, though, is it just comes back to everybody wanting to get a piece of the pie, and no one wants to just do it for the sake of doing it, you know. And uh, I, I don't think that there's any solution to that because if you and I – were a professional sports player or a college sports player that was all over the TV and all over the news. Like, let's say you were Zion, right? I mean, how do you not think that you're owed some kind of compensation? It's very true. Your likeness is out there everywhere. And, yeah, I will second the Red Zone channel. I love that channel because it takes all the, uh, the meaningless parts of football out and shows you the, all the exciting parts. You know, it's one of the it's one of those things where you said, you know, but best especially for fantasy, it was invented. But it 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 gets you involved in all the games and clips, and at the end of the day, they show you all the scoring plays, so you get all the highlights. So let's say you you miss the early games, you can get all the highlights from the early games, and so on and so forth. And uh, you know, it was it, it was one of those great things that, um, especially for a lot of us, because you know, not all of us can sit around on a Sunday from 11 a.m. Mountain to 
you know, nine o'clock mountain and, and take in every right. game. And, uh, you know, nor, nor can we sit at a sports bar all day and afford to be able to do that and sit there all day and take in every game. Yeah, if only the, the burgers and the beers were a couple of bucks instead of 10 bucks, you know, we, maybe we could. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, right. like, for me, it's wonderful because in the morning, I watch that, and it lets me, A, there's always many more games in the morning, and so it gives me a chance to kind of see and get a sense of what happened in each game. The downside is I don't yeah. oftentimes really get a feel for what the game was like. You know, sometimes you see a game, and you're like, oh, well, it was only 10 to 3, so they never showed hardly any plays because they were never in the red zone. But it turns out it was a fantastic, you know, beat them down defensive battle. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of a game, but you're not going to get a sense of that game with a red zone channel. But being a a fan of the Broncos, which means they're going to be in the afternoon, the red zone channel is phenomenal in the morning because then in the afternoon, I switch over and just watch the Broncos. I miss out on a couple of other games that are going on, but just a couple. Whereas in the morning, I saw everything, and then in the afternoon, I get to see the Broncos. So uh, it is wonderful. There is. You did mention the downside of uh, sometimes I get I get frustrated during the football season because you're like, man, that means I got to get everything done on Saturday because on Sunday I'm going to be worthless from about 11 a.m. all the way till about 5 p.m. and then even longer if I happen to watch the Sunday night football game. And uh, of course, you could always go do something else. You don't have to watch the games, but it's almost impossible. Or I, I don't want to miss the Bronco game. And I hate to miss the Red Zone channel in the morning because of my fantasy football team. And it's just a fun – it's just fun to have your page open to your three or four teams, however many you have. And, you know, you're just watching the scores on your team's change as you're watching the Red Zone channel watching people score points. So, to me, it's a really enjoyable experience. I can't speak for anybody else, but uh, I am certainly glad the Red Zone channel is around. Uh, I was going to ask you about oh, DirecTV – well, I'm just going to say, because DirecTV, you know, that has had the NFL, uh, what is it called, the, the, the Sunday ticket, I think is what they call it. And yeah, I don't know if people ticket. know this. So I, I had Sunday ticket back when it first came out. And back then, uh, or not first came out, but like, like maybe 10 years ago, I think we had it. And the downside was you only got the standard definition games for the Sunday ticket price and one HD channel. And then you also got the, they have a multi-game channel where they would show like eight games at once or four games at once, which is a really cool channel. And then they eventually came up with the red zone channel first, which you can now get on a lot of different networks, but to, to get that red zone channel and to get the HD versions of all the games, you had to pay an additional fee. And I think it was like 250 or 260 for the NFL ticket, which you know, I mean, if you've got three guys living in an apartment, a Sunday ticket's not that bad at 250 right? You're not paying, you know, 75 80 bucks a piece or whatever it comes out to. But, man, you're paying that on your own? Or if you're married and your lady doesn't like football, so she's like, well, I get to do something for 250 that you're spending 250 You know, then it becomes kind of pricey. And then you realize, i got to spend another 150 bucks to get the channels I actually want. And I think DirecTV is, is suffering and, 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 and not doing well subscriber-wise, especially since they merged with AT&T. And I think part of that is why. I think that people have finally gotten to a point where they're like, I'm already paying $180 a month for my cable bill, and now i got to pay an extra $180 you know, a month or whatever it is for six months to pay for the NFL ticket. And then if I get the baseball one, it's the other half of the year. So now I'm paying you know, $220 
you know, every single month for my cable, which is just insane. I mean, I was flipping out when I was getting my cable and my internet from Comcast and paying a hundred and like forty bucks a month. I just couldn't stomach that to the point where I just finally dropped cable altogether. It's just not worth the cost. It's just eight thousand channels and six of them are good. But I just I think that DirecTV or I think the NFL either needs to tell DirecTV to change their pricing model or they need to move it to other networks and allow or other, I'm sorry, other providers like Comcast, Dish Network, Sling TV, which I think is part of Dish, and let them determine prices, you know? And I think someone And I, I think they're moving to that, actually. Oh are they? Oh well then that yeah, good good on them. I think that'll I think that'll help them. There's a lot of games. I, I, I've, I've heard a talk of the NFL streaming games through Hulu and uh, other means like Ooh. that where they're trying to work out a package because, like you said, people are dropping their satellite packages or their, or their uh, cable packages because they're, they're too expensive. It is kind of funny, though, when you realize how many, like, you know, in this new, well, I guess you wouldn't say gig economy, but the new kind of the streaming economy, the, the access kind of economy we have now. And it's really funny how uh, a lot of upstarts basically said, you've been paying through the nose for this forever, and it doesn't actually cost that much. They've just done that because you don't have anywhere else to get this thing. Let's say razor blades, right? Do you remember? I mean, I'm sure they still cost this much in some ways, but I remember Gillette at one point, they had the Mach 5 razor, and each razor blade was like $12. You had to pay like 50 bucks for a set of three or something. It was something ridiculous. And I do remember when I was buying disposable razors, you know, you buy your dis- I was buying disposable razors that, you know, don't shave well and hurt your face and give your razor burn. And I was doing that because it was like, I'm not going to pay this crazy amount of money for razor blades. I mean, it, they couldn't cost more than a couple of nickels to make. And then you had Dollar Shave Club and Harry's come out, right? And they offered razor blades for a really cheap rate. And that was great, and I was using Harry's for a while, and I went back and forth between the two, kind of checking them both out. Harry's was a little bit more expensive, but they were a little bit nicer. But then Gillette bought Harry's, and they kept the company. They didn't change its name to Gillette or anything because they want to keep those customers coming back. But I, I watched to see what the prices did, and I don't use them anymore because the prices have gone up. But they didn't go up all the way. They just went up a little bit. But I thought the big wig has now bought this you know, this upstart, cheaper, you know, thrifty company. And now they're getting the money from that too. So basically they're like, well, we lost all these customers and we can't get them to pay the $35 a razor blade anymore. But they all went to this other company, which we got, we purchased. So we're still getting their money, just not as much money, you know, which is really frustrating. I wish that company would have stayed who they were because that gave options that made competition. And I think if you're talking about that, it might happen with football. I think it would be great. But when you're talking about going to Hulu, like Hulu is around simply because of Netflix, right? Netflix was buying all those TV stations shows and putting them on their channel and getting subscribers. And Hulu is owned by the cable companies. It's owned by, I think, so when Disney bought Fox, they acquired, I think, a majority stake. But it was Fox, Disney, uh, Comcast, and, and, and I think maybe Sinclair or something are the people that own Hulu. So it was like, right. it, it's funny how you see people come up with good ideas and try and like, you know, wedge their way in. And then the big boys just buy them out and then, or, or start their own version. It happened with the FanDuel, right? FanDuel is a fun, uh, is a fun idea. 
I'm not any good at it, but daily fantasy sports is entertaining. You pick your squad based on a certain amount of, uh, of, of salary dollars you can spend. You fill your team, and if you, you can either play head-to-head against someone and, and win the money, or you can play in a big pool like a Texas Hold'em-type pool, and the higher you finish, the more money you get, right? And it's really fun. But then, boom, here comes draft teams. And it's like, oh, there's another competitor or a new one. Is this one better? Well, they were essentially the same, right? There was almost no difference between the kind of games you would play on them. But the difference was DraftKings was owned by three different NFL owners. Robert Kraft was one of them. I think it was how he funded some of his massages. And you just think about they, you know, the, if when with the college football paying those people or if the NFL goes into different streaming options, what's going to happen? How are the networks or the bigwigs of the big money people going to find a way to take it over, right? Because at some point, don't you think the NFL could just stream its stuff on its own network? Like, couldn't they just create their own channel? They already have NFL network. Couldn't they create their own channel for each team and then just sell that as a package to people directly? And I I think you're going to see that because I know – they call it the Philly Pass right now in Philadelphia where you can get – you can stream – all of the uh, the Philly sports teams, um, I think that's what it is right now. Uh, we do actually have a caller on the line right here. I just switched back over to the switchboard here. Let's bring in the caller here and see what they have, uh, what's on their minds here. Caller, you're on the hey, air. Who are you and where are you from? Mike in Pittsburgh. How are you gentlemen doing? Good morning. Ah, thanks, Mike. Uh, good to hear from you again. Haven't, been, haven't paid for an NFL game. On TV the last five years, it's really easy. Reddit, NFL streams, you go down and you pick your game and you watch it for free, direct TV, NFL network, you don't need any of it. Um, just you set your phone up for pop-up blockers, you, you go on NFL Reddit streams, you pick the game, and uh, you watch it for free. It's it's that simple, gentlemen. <laughs> I've certainly done that with UFC fights and things in the past. I always worry that maybe I'm going to pick up a bad virus that my malware and my antivirus no, have you ever been into that? Yeah, there, there, there used to be sites uh, called First Row Sports and everything, mm-hmm. but um, the people on these Reddit streams, the moderators have it pretty well set up. I've never had an issue. Um you know, the first time, it might be like a, a first click and then they try to send you to something. You just hit the X, you get it off the screen, you, you, you hit the hit it again and it comes right on. High definition, whatever you want, absolutely free, no money, no direct TV. And I sit there from 1 p.m. Eastern time until the last Sunday night game uh, and watch football at no cost whatsoever in the convenience of my own home. How is it that the NFL doesn't have a team of people streaming those kind of sites looking for links to games and shutting them down? Doesn't that seem odd? Well, they, uh, they did on some other sites before. Um, I know they did it uh, on pay-per-view boxing, big pay-per-view boxing matches. They used to do it. I think they just honestly, they've given up. They realize <laughs> that that, that people's will to watch the NFL illegally um, is more um, – they're going to do it no matter what, and they might as well just try to do their thing because 
a lot of people don't even know about it. They, they're just like you, sir. They think, oh, I'm going to have to go on there. Is, am I going to get a virus? Am I going to get malware? And that's exactly what they think. But on the Reddit streams for NFL, um, that's not the case. So I just think the NFL – go ahead. I was going to say, I'm guessing that a lot of these streams are set up uh, internationally so that maybe somewhere where yeah. they aren't – uh, subject to American copyright law, which maybe makes it hard for them to take them down, right? Like something like if you were doing it through uh, an, a VPN in, uh, I don't know, like where, where does the pirate bay go, right? Because, I mean, they tried to shut them down dozens of times, and it never works. There's always somewhere it can pop up and be found. So, uh, I, I, and I, I understand what you're talking about. And like I said, I've done it before. I mean, I've watched some USC, USC fights uh, in that manner, and I – Remember back in the day when I was really poor, I did use First Row Sports, and definitely that one wasn't nearly as good as the Reddit streams are. Um, oh, my gosh. The but, Reddit uh, streams are, are, are uh, above and beyond anything I've ever used. I mean, heck, Thursday night's game. I live in Pittsburgh, and um, the NFL Network isn't on our cable system. So I just went to NFL Reddit stream, uh, hit the link to the game, and I watched uh, you know, the Panthers – and uh, Tampa Bay, um, normally on our cable system, we don't have NFL networks, so I couldn't watch it. So I just simply hit the link, no problems at all, and I watched the entire game. No um, issues with uh, the game coming in and out, any uh, um, audio, visual problems at all. It was just like, uh, you know, watching it on, uh, you know, TV, like your, like direct TV. Sure. I mean, as long as, as- Compression gets better and better, and they can send more data more more quickly using less, you know, actual data in the packet. Um, it'll, it's going to get harder and harder for them to to stop things, uh, especially with the way now, people are streaming on all sorts of devices. They do have a site. Um, it's an app called Periscope, where basically it's someone they're pointing their phone at the TV, and you can watch what they're watching. However, right. um, if it gets enough traffic. I, I used to watch boxing on that. If it gets enough traffic um, over there on Periscope, they will shut it down uh, because if you know they they check for viewers, you start getting a new couple thousand on a pay per view big boxing match, they'll shut it down. But you know you just go to the next link and someone else is putting some something up internationally or somewhere else where you can watch it. It's a little bit of cat and mouse uh, on Periscope. Yeah, and you know what? I hope that. As much as I can see why that's not, you know, really fair to the people who are producing this stuff, uh, it it would be a great benefit if it it forced cable companies to finally say, look, take the channels you want here, for, you know, twenty five bucks a month for five channels, and you can add a channel for another two dollars or whatever, and then just pick what you actually want and be able to watch it, and then they can actually get those those subscribers back. I think. But, of course, they're too greedy. They won't do that. They'll want to get massive dollars. So I think what you're talking about is probably going to become the norm. I'm guessing most people in the end are going to be able or going to switch to that route. I know that I know a number of people who watch Red Zone Channel uh, using the Periscope you're talking about, using through a Reddit link. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, I've only seen it at one person's house one time watching that one, but uh, the quality was almost, almost 100% HD compatible. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's the wave of the future. And one more thing, so I get uh, I like to bet on uh, 
the games. I live in Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, sports betting is legal now here for about four or five months on FanDuel and a lot of other places. So I think it's for like four ninety five a month um, on ESPN Plus if you get that. You'll get so many college football games, um, obscure games, but those are actually the the games that you can uh, that I like to bet on because. Um, Sometimes they get looked under the radar, and you can catch a good line on some of these obscure games, and you can just get ESPN Plus for four ninety five a month, and you get a lot of games, and uh, there's a lot of other good content. So I would recommend that for you know five bucks a month, uh, the ESPN Plus. Plus, you know, ESPN Plus does that, does have some nice access uh, articles and other things like that uh, and analysis for sports, especially for. Uh, fantasy sports. So I agree. That's not a bad price to pay, especially when you consider used to be actually worse when you had to be the ESPN insider. I don't know if you remember that. And you got the magazine, which was god awful. And, uh, but it was like, you know, no one wanted the magazine. They almost like forced you to take the magazine to have a subscription to the insider service. Yeah. So anyway, gentlemen, I just thought I was listening to the show and I just wanted to chime in for your listeners to give them another option uh, other than direct TV. And uh, you can know, you can just sit and watch the games for free at home. You don't have to go to the bar and satellite, nothing. Just go to Reddit uh, NFL streams and uh, you'll be set through the day on Sunday. Absolutely. Thanks so, so much for calling in, Mike. I really appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, take care. All right, have a good sports weekend, Mike. There, Thanks. Oh, bye-bye. <laughs> yep. No, I'm still there. I was just going to make sure uh, I hadn't heard you for a while. You never know. Uh, oh, NFL Reddit uh, site that he was talking about. I've heard about him. I haven't had a chance to use one yet. So basically, Reddit is um, – it, it's kind of like it, – like like, in some ways like a 4chan site at one point, but 4chan has a lot of negative things connotated with it now that, uh, that aren't like Reddit. So Reddit is more like – Anything else is just message boards. And, of course, message boards are more complex now than they used to be. So there's videos, there's postings and things, uh, videos, pictures. And then what they also do is if you can find the right one uh, that's created for a certain team and you read down the comments, there will be a comment saying, here's a link to watch this game. And they have it for, right. it's like for any sporting event, for almost anything, really. In fact, I think... If I'm not mistaken, I think you can have like HBO um, streaming HBO channel on there. So someone like Mike was talking about, they just take the Periscope application, they point the camera, or even maybe not even point the camera, but uh, feed through cabling the channel into their computer and into the app and upload it because upload speeds are finally to a point where you can do that, and then you can just log on and watch the channel. So. It definitely works. I will let people know that what he's talking about isn't legal. So just know that if you want to do that, you are taking a risk. Uh, I don't know how easy it would be for you to get in trouble, but if you're not using a VPN, which is a virtual network uh, that disguises your actual IP location, uh, your cable provider can get you in trouble. So, you know, do do think right. about it at least a little bit before you do it. So I don't want to, like, outright endorse it. Uh, <laughs> You know, as part of our show. So, uh, but I do know. No, 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 no. I completely I understand. I have you. And I know there's some piracy going on, uh, you know, around it, uh, so people can see it. But you, you do make a good point. If if your computer is exposed and they can see your actual VPN, 
um, on your actual computer ID. You know, there there are some problems there. But you know, we're getting to the point where we're going to be streaming everything it seems um, in the next couple of years, and that's just going to be the preferred way of doing it. Right, and you know, I mean, we're also going to get to that point where, um, you know, you, we're not going to have any privacy when it comes to being online anymore. Not that you even have that much now. I mean, some people use certain browsers. Like, if you really wanted to protect yourself and you wanted to go to Reddit and watch things, then I would probably advise that not only do you have a VPN to disguise what your actual uh, IP address is from your provider, but you would probably also want to um, be using some untraceable browsers, using things like Tor and things like that. So uh, right. just, I would just say make sure you do some research before you go this route. Just just be ready. <laughs> so that's it. No, but, no well, I, I agree. With you. So the, we're coming up to we're going to come up to the top of the hour here. Let me get in uh, some NCA notes here real quick because we do have games starting at noon. Um, obviously, Maryland blew out uh, Syracuse last week. They're going to have their uh, tune-up game with Temple today in Philly, um, and they can't be get caught looking ahead. They get Penn State next Friday night at Bird Stadium. So Maryland, watch out today, Temple. Uh, Maryland is a, is a team that gives up or, or gets a lot of big plays from their offense. They're the leading NCAA uh, scoring offense right now. They've been averaging over the two games they played. They've put over 70 points on the board. Um, but look out. Temple is a team that does not let up big plays, has a really great defense. Uh, so that's a little bit of a tough game. Obviously, CU's only or CU's favorite by three versus Air Force. That's a little bit later. Pitt, Penn State is coming up. That's an old school in-state rivalry right now. Uh, Penn State's favored uh, in this one. Um, uh, big. I don't. I, I just changed my. Uh, I just changed my screen here. Whoops. I've been kind of rocking back and forth here. Uh, let me just. I'm going to give you a line on the Penn State pick game here. You know, just real quick, just so you know, um, Penn State is a 17-point favorite in this game with an over/under 53. Penn State's averaged over 40 points. They put 79 on Idaho. And they put over 40 on Buffalo last week. Um, so that's another one you want to look at. Uh, here is uh, one of my other. I'm gonna switch back screens here real quick and try to do this as fast as I can here. Um, ND can't get caught looking ahead. Obviously, they've got uh, New Mexico State, and quite frankly, they got Georgia next week. So it's going to be a good, uh, a good tune-up for them uh, at home in South Bend, and they have to go to Georgia. And my upset of the week, number 19 Iowa, is a point and a half favorite over Iowa State. Game days in Ames, Iowa. I am looking for Iowa State to beat the Hawkeyes today. So take Iowa State. That's my upset of the day. And that game starts at two mountain. Starts at two mountains. So we've got a few you got a few hours to get that bet in. Uh if you didn't yeah. get uh, your clock cleaned yesterday or last week in the first week of games. Uh if you followed JP's pick of the week, I mean obviously I think you hit uh Maryland, I think was was that your upset of the week? Was it Maryland? Well, I picked. I had Maryland picked at the beginning of the week, but the line flipped from Maryland being a point-and-a-half underdog to a point-and-a-half favorite. So I don't know how to actually you put that in there, but they did wind up winning mm -hmm. by over 40. Well, I mean, so they kind of – when I put my upsets of the weekend, I, I look at games starting, say, Tuesday and look start looking at the lines. That line flopped um, – 
I don't know if it was Friday night when it flopped over to Maryland being the favorite by a point and a half or if it was Saturday morning, but it started off as Maryland was the dog, and I picked that game kind of on all the games. Uh, we had some upsets last week, too. Washington went down to uh, went down to Cal last week, number 14, Washington. And, you know, like I said, we don't have any ranked games today of head-to-head opponents, opponents that are ranked in the top 25, but we, we do have – all of our top 25 teams out there playing in games that are going to be tune-ups, just like uh, uh, the, the other one that's going to just about to, just probably kicked off. Indiana, Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't lose to Indiana, but Indiana for some reason always keeps this game close. And here's another point spread for you. And I'm like I said, this one should have just kicked off. Um, you know, it's an 18-point point spread, which Indiana could very well keep that within 10 points in this game because it's in Indiana. And Ohio State, for some reason, always has trouble playing in Indiana where they should blow those teams out, and they just don't. They're always close. They don't lose them, but they're always closer than you think. So, you know, just want to throw that out there for everyone. You know, another great uh, day of college football here across the boards. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's start talking. I don't know if you want to go into the MLB next or you want to jump back over into the NFL. It's up, up, up to you. Why don't, we, uh, why don't we just do the tri- sports of uh, trivia question, and then uh, we'll yep. jump into baseball and just quickly uh, uh, run through that, because we are hitting down about the last two weeks of the season. So uh, we are getting down we to are. the end. We're getting close to the playoff. The nitty-gritty. Absolutely. All right, so why don't you go ahead and rip so that, off that trivia question. Okay, so the sports of trivia question was, what NFL team has the best opening day record winning percentage? So the team, uh, the actual record, or and uh, also the percentage. I've got all three answers. Okay, uh, two teams come to mind. One's going to be the Green Bay Packers. Um, the other one, you have to always throw them out there because they had such a a legacy when we grew up in high school of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, for some reason, the, the Packers and the Cowboys would be the two teams that I would throw out there as my first guesses. And it is the Cowboys. Okay. They do and start strong. As they, did, yeah, as they did this this last week, they did the same. They they rolled over the Giants. So uh, I don't think this they, is a uh, – this, this, this answer, I think, is legit. So uh, – any idea on a, a winning percentage? The winning percentage, I'd say, for opening day, for them, I know they had some down years, but with all those good years they had, I'd say their opening day winning percentage is about 70%. Getting close. It's about 67. So good call. Yeah, so okay. they're 37, 18, and 1 uh, over the life of the franchise. So best done the league. Yep. And uh, – Yes, that means what you should be doing is on uh, opening weekend in the NFL, you should be dumping a bunch of money on the Cowboy money line. So keep that in mind for the future. So uh, anyway, let's go ahead and jump over to baseball. A couple of big things. First of all, it's Kristen Yelich. Uh, He, the MVP last year, on his way to possibly a repeat performance. And uh, I guess it's even possible missing the last two weeks, he could still win the MVP. I don't think it will happen because I think without Yelich, I think the Brewers are going to fall out of contention in the in the E or in the Central. And St. Louis is already in first. I think the Cowboys will sneak off, or not Cowboys, the Cubs 
will end up sneaking into that uh, second place. And I don't think they'll get the second wild card because I think that's going to go to the Nationals in the East. So, um, right. you know, I don't know if you feel any differently about that, but uh, going to be hard for the Brewers to, to continue to compete missing one of the best players in all of baseball. No, I would agree with you on that point. When I'm losing Yellick uh, this close to the end of the season, it, it kind of deflates the Brewers a little bit here. Uh, he, like he said, he was on his way to having another MVP season. And, um, you know, and what was the injury again? I, I, did he take a, a ball off his uh, shin or was it his knee? I forget. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I remember. I, I think it, you know, I didn't write it down. I think it was his knee that, that was the culprit or that, that, he, that, that got injured. I don't know exactly how it is, but you might be right. It might have just been that he had a ball thrown or a pitch uh, bounced off his kneecap. And anybody who's uh, ever taken a ball off any part of their body part, uh, that's not a, the, the joint, the point of a joint is not where you want to take a ball. And uh, so no. uh, either way, he's, he's out for the year. That's a, a massive blow. I just don't see uh, – he, he's not just been a great player for them over the last two seasons, but he was critical in getting them uh, to face the Dodgers in NLCS, and, and he was one of the few players on the Brewers that, uh, that made it a little, bit, uh, a little bit questionable for the Dodgers at the very beginning of that series, whether or not they would, would win that and go back to the World Series. And that segues well into I wanted to bring up the Dodgers. Uh, I'm a lifelong Dodger fan, and it's been wonderfully fun the last two years having them in the World Series, <clears throat> despite the fact that I always seem to have a business meeting uh, around when they play, and I all, or like a, like a traveling meeting around the World Series. And it's really frustrating how late the games go. And I mean, I'm in the mountain time zone, and they go too late for me. I mean, I got to be at yeah. work at 7 a.m. I got to get up at 5:30. I can't be staying up till midnight watching baseball. And I don't know how people on the East Coast can stay up till two in the morning watching baseball. I just, I don't understand it. They, I, I know it's hard to make those games faster. They got to get the commercials in. Uh, there's a lot of runs scored these days, especially with these, you know, exceptional top-end teams. They got to figure something out. I, I don't know if it means starting games just earlier than you know what i mean wouldn't you rather they started the game at four our time and for me they'd be fine because i could see it but uh let's say you're working on the on the pacific and uh you get home and you're an hour and a half into the game before you can get home is it really that bad and these games these games don't even really seem to matter until about the sixth inning now you know that's when they start like the leads start changing hands and stuff i don't know i i think that people would rather miss the beginning of the game than not be able to stay up to see the end of the game. How would you feel? You know, I, I actually like that idea. Um, some of these games just, they go so late. I can't just physically keep myself up anymore because of how late they're going sometimes. <laughs> and especially when we get to the world series and you're having the Dodgers start at five in the afternoon. So the people on the East coast can stay and watch them at eight o'clock at night you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I love the game of baseball, but you hit it on the head, you know, when these games are going on well into the night and you have to get up early in the morning, it's not easy for you to do. And, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this, I have a lot of friends on the East coast that are 
huge baseball fans, but they won't watch a West Coast game to save their life because they can't stay up that long. They have kids. They got to get them off to school in the morning. They got to get in their commute to work in the morning, and so on and so forth. I think I told you the first time I went to the East Coast to uh, for a business trip, and we went. You know, we flew in, met the client at their company. Then we all went out to dinner and had some drinks at the bar afterwards. And then finally went back to the hotel. And I walked into my room and was like, all right, I'm going to iron my clothes for tomorrow. I'll watch the last quarter of Monday Night Football and I'll go to bed. It was eight minutes left in the first quarter when I got home. And that's yep. the time. <laughs> so at least those time games, you know, like football and basketball, I mean, yeah, the timeouts and things like that and injuries and, and stuff and replays can slow them down, but there is a time limit. Baseball doesn't have a time limit. You're going to get extra inning games, and you're going to get close games, and you're going to have so many breaks for pitching changes because, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I love Dave Roberts like, you know, like a, like, a, like a brother. I mean, he's been a fantastic manager for the Dodgers, but he loves to do matchup, matchup, matchup uh, based on statistics, which is great, except when you've got four pitching changes in, in one inning – I mean, that's four commercial breaks of, like, three commercials. You're talking about you, – like, sometimes you can see, like, 45 minutes go by for one full inning. And that's, that's just, you know, they got to figure something out. I, I don't – and I, I, I hate when I bring up something that I don't have a uh, already thought-out solution for, but something. Some kind of rule on reduce the amount of warm-up pitches that a, a pitcher gets. So make sure they're warm in the bullpen before they come in. I mean, that, that should be the case anyway. Why, why aren't you ready to go – right when you're coming from the bullpen, right? It should be a change in the bullpen and boom, pitch. You know, give him just maybe to just because now he's out in the spotlight. But come on, man, you're in the bullpen pitching off of a mound. I mean, why, why can't you just pitch? So uh, that's one thing you could do. Uh, reduce the commercial breaks and reduce how much time – reduce the amount of commercial time between innings if you want to keep long commercial breaks or warm-ups for relief pitchers, right? You're going to get – like, man, I mean, how rare is it when you even see a pitcher go eight innings anymore? You're going to get 15 pitching changes in a game. That's a lot of commercial breaks you can stock up. Just reduce the commercial breaks between the innings and, you know, let's get, get the game go faster. Maybe, I know they've toyed with these ideas before, but the umpire would be like, hey, man, get back in the box. You know, don't, you don't step out of the box 15 times, you know, every at-bat. You know, you got to just – Get in there and take your cuts and swing and let's just play. But, um, you know, uh, baseball so much about rhythm. I don't know how you do that without screwing that up and, and bothering players. But we just need to do something. You and I, you know, it's fine for the young kids. And when, when we were in our 20s, it would have been fine. But, you know, man, when you're in your 40s, you just don't have that kind of energy. You're, you're, you know, your day is done. And you and I don't even have kids. Imagine if we had kids. Exactly. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I'd be out. You'd be asleep by 8 o'clock, you know. So, yeah, let's do something. Let's do something for the fans here, and, and and find a way to get these games over early. And if it means that people have to miss the first three innings on TV because they're still at work or driving home, so be it. It's not the end of the world. And it, it obviously know, isn't that big of a deal anyway because they do that for the for the division league. They have games during the daytime, so why can't they do that for the World Series? You know, they, they do. And, you know, the, a perfect example of someone that I've always, re- when we talk about this and the, uh, the speed of play, Nomar Garcia Para, when he used to get out of the batter's box and play with his batting gloves and the Velcro for a good couple of minutes, 
I, I, whenever we talk about pace of play, I always can picture him doing that and just standing there redoing his batting gloves nonstop. I'm not sure if you remember that. Oh, yeah. He played for the Dodgers for, I think, three years, and every, every single day right. he stepped out and readjusted each, each batting glove thing a few times. And at least that's one of the few rituals I can, say, I can appreciate because you do want your gloves to be tight but not too tight. You know, like you, want them, you want them pulled down to where you've got good feeling, but not so much that you're, like, hurting the circulation. So I can see adjustments, although he doesn't seem like he's really doing adjustments. He seems like he's doing it as a tick. So that makes it a little more frustrating. But no, your, your point's well received. I mean, you develop a habit. It's hard to break that habit without, without reducing your effectiveness on the, on the playing field, you know? Oh, yeah. And baseball oh. players are very superstitious. Very. Yeah. You know, I haven't washed my socks since we last had a loss or, you know, haven't changed my jock straps since – since we last had a win, you know, just weird things, weird things. But you know what? If they get hit, if you believe it helps you play better, it probably does because it makes you comfortable. So, um, going back to the Dodgers, so they've clinched the West. Um, I think also the Yankees have obviously clinched their division, uh, even though the Devils are playing yeah. well. The Yankees have, I think, the most wins in baseball at 97 as of. Well, that was earlier last night. I don't know if they, I don't know if that was counting their their record from last night, but so they're almost at 100. The Dodgers were at 95, I think. Uh, the Astros are at 95, and I think the Braves are at 92 or 93. So we could have another 400 win team season, which we had a couple of years ago, which is pretty impressive. We also, as you brought up many times, uh, we've broken the home run record again, uh, and, and broken a lot of home run records, not just uh, not total home runs hit in Major League Baseball, but hit by a team, hit against the team, hit in a month. I mean, we we pretty much blew them all up. And, and that does uh, – there's – I was reading a wonderful analysis, which is fun to read as a Dodgers fan, uh, and I think it was, it was either ESPN or CBS. But the writer talked about how people aren't really acknowledging that the Dodgers have one of the best teams in probably 50 years. And what they mean by that is they are so deep that a lot of teams made like a big time, you know, um, have made big time uh, trade acquisitions, like the Astros getting Granky, which is just massive and could spell doom for the Dodgers if they make the World Series. But the Dodgers, who took you Darvish two years ago and brought in Manny Machado last year over the uh, um, trade deadline, did not bring in any players this year. And the article was speaking of there really wasn't a reason to give up. There, I mean, they have a very stock minor league system, one of the best in baseball. Probably, I'd say, probably like number 10 or 11. Uh, it was bigger, but they brought some of those players up. And, and actually, they actually played the ball club now, including the, uh, oh, my gosh, what's the name of, what's the nickname for the, the, the ginger that throws really hard left-hander. But anyway, um, they didn't acquire anybody this year because they just really didn't have a place to put anybody. I mean, their team is so stacked, and they didn't want to give up any talent in the minors. And that's what they're saying they're one of the best teams in 50 years. I mean, they've had, I think, four or five or maybe even more guys go on the DL from the pitching staff from the starting staff and haven't even skipped a beat. I mean, they're just like, okay, we'll just put this guy in that rotation now because he actually is a starter. We're having him in the bullpen. So, um, and then the other thing that's important to note is they have hit the most home runs in all of the National League, and they've given up the second fewest in all of the National League. So not only are they hitting home runs better than anybody in their league, you know, not the major leagues, but their league. 
they're also giving up almost less home runs than anybody in their league. So I, I, I don't think there's anything – you can't really have more dominance statistically over your league than that. But they also play in a division that doesn't challenge them. Um, the Rockies were a challenge for them last year as they finished uh, in a tie at the end of the season. We're close to that this year. The Rockies are just really bad. Uh, Padres had a nice little run. They've fallen back. The Giants had a surprising little run. They fell back. Arizona, who you thought would be more competitive, was for a little bit. They fell back. And I think the Dodgers have almost a 20-game lead in that division. So those numbers might be a little misconstrued, being that they may just play in a division with so many. You know, and, they, and baseball does not play in an uh, even schedule. You play your division much more than you play anything else. And they may just be walking exactly. on the weaker teams in their division. Well, the, the, the stat that I love for your Dodgers is they're plus 242 in run differential. I mean, the Yankees are still 60-plus behind that in their, in their run differential. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty staggering. Uh, you know, Dodgers have never <laughs> usually been a, a hitting ball club, but, and, and they've always been a pitching ball club and a pitching park. But I tell you what, that, top, that lineup top to bottom, there's not one guy there that couldn't launch a home run on any swing. No, I agree with you. And, and, and uh, look at the – you mentioned the Rays before. Um, they are nine games back of the Yankees right now. Yeah, I don't think they have much chance of catching them. But they could go for a wild card. No, and my Phillies just kind of fade it too far at the end of August and into September that they just – you know, even with the wild card, I think they're still two and a half back and they're still talk, but I just don't think they can do it. So, you know, you know – Good year for the Phillies. They're at 76 and 70. They got a 500 record right now. That's always a, uh, a, a good thing for them. They are at a minus three in point differential. Um, but that's, you know, pretty even Steven Ball right there. Yeah, well, the story of their season is their pitching. It's not been kind of what we were hoping. Nola actually has done fine, and he's in the Cy Young top, um, even though he had a kind of a, he had a, a slight rough patch. Arietta has not been nearly what they would hope he would be this year. I think age has just caught up with him. You never know when it happens. Some guys age quicker, some guys age slower, but it looks like he's aged. Uh, you also look at um, Vasquez. You know, had to go down to the minors for a while, and that and that didn't help matters. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is the guy they had. Oh, Pavetta, um, and he's been kind of I don't know. Maybe well, it wasn't Pavetta that went to the minors. I can't remember if it was Pavetta or Velasquez. One of them had to go down to the minors for a, a number of weeks to get to get everything you know kind of straightened out, and then they came back and pitched well, but then kind of were shaky again. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think in the off season the, the Phillies are going to have to look heavy at uh, upgrading the pitching staff and probably upgrading the bullpen, and which is always hard because no one wants to give those kind of players up. But if I were the Phillies and I had off season money to spend, which maybe they don't after signing Bryce Harper. I'd spend that money on the, on the, on pitching staff. Um, yeah, and, know, we talk, you talked about the you talked about the Dodgers minor league organization. Uh, the Iron Pigs did finish under 500, not that far, but they did finish under 500 this year after making the playoffs um, in AAA ball for the last three years. They did miss the playoffs this year, so you know that's just a little minor league report there, where you know they do have some work that they do need to do with the pitching staff. That's definitely where they faltered um, at points during the season. And, um, yeah, so they do have a lot. They have work to do in, in this offseason. 
And, uh, you know, obviously the Dodgers are the Dodgers, the Yanks are the Yanks. And the Red Sox, they fell from grace this year, too, um, after last year. So, you know, it's pointing to a uh, Yankees-Dodgers World Series again. Well, the Yankees-Dodgers World Series in in all reality. Could be also see could could see Dodgers um, um, Astros again. I think I'd like to right. see, I, I'd like to see Yankees only because the Yankees and the Dodgers met in the World Series a lot back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and the Yankees yep. had their number for years. And it would be really nice to see the Dodgers uh, go out and beat the Yankees. Of course, they could end up losing to the Yankees, which would be more painful. But um, you know, I always say the, the most exciting day of the Major League Baseball season is the day that Yankees are eliminated from contention. Uh, this year, that might be the very last day of the season. And maybe and it'll be with them raising the World Series trophy. We'll, we'll, we'll hope not. Uh, you brought up the uh, Red Sox. And this is something we really need to talk about. We didn't talk about it last week. We need to talk about this. The GM for the Red Sox was fired. This is a guy, Dombrowski, I think, was the guy. Um, he... It was yep. he was the GM who put together the team that won the title last year. He won the title last year, and they fired him this year because they didn't play well. Yeah, that I just that kind of came kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I mean, obviously they're not playing well, but to think about your GM just won you the title, and the, not even be at the end of the season to fire him before the end of the season. I, yeah, I, I just I can't wrap my head around it, and I'm guessing. I'm guessing there's something in the back, you know, the behind the scenes, something, something happened, uh, or maybe there was a, you know, it was already a contentious relationship, or was it was a really rough, you know, they won the whole thing, but there was a lot of arguing and fighting and stuff, or something like that going on, and maybe we just don't know about all that. Either way, boy, man, I would feel like I built a World Series champion for you, champion, won the whole thing. And the next year, we have some injuries and people don't play that well, and you fire me? I'd be more apt to fire the coach. I mean, the only thing I can think of yeah. is the ownership said, you, you, you didn't do well in the offseason, and our team was really thin because you made bad decisions. But I don't even remember the Red Sox losing very many people. They lost Joe Kelly out of the bullpen to the Dodgers. He's been horrible. So I, don't, I can't think of, like, I don't know off the top of my head any big players that they lost, and they had Chris Sale, and Chris Sale had a, a bad year. He got hurt uh, at the end of the year, and he didn't pitch well in the beginning of the year, and I think it just happens. I mean, again, that's a coaching thing. He's been on your team for four years. And he was great. He was bad this year. You don't blame the GM. The guy has one bad year when he's had three good years for you. So something screwy going on there. I don't know what happened, but I – I'd love to see him, Dombrowski, write a book about that, you know, because Moneyball is such a great book. I'd love a book, not so much about the team, but the behind the scenes. Like what, what happened there? What did they plan to do? What did they do? How did it work out? How did it not work out? And how is it finally answered? You know, what's the, what's the final answer on the thing? You know, I just, anyway, uh, we don't have to, you know, spend any more time on it, but I just think it's just, because when you talk about how there's a lot of talk in Denver, right, uh, especially if you live here, you know there's a lot of talk about whether or not Elway should be let go, that, that he should take some blame for the Broncos' woes over the last few years, especially how thin they are and how bad they've been at quarterback. And he's still got the job, I've argued, 
And he built a world, a, a Super Bowl winning team. Um, was it how many years ago did they win it? Was it four years? Uh, it's been that long already? Yeah, it should have been four years. Four years? I think it's been four. Yeah, two two years with Simeon, one year with Case. I mean, just three years. This is the, this is the fourth year, maybe. Um, anyway, I was arguing. Hey, no, he he was successful that recently. You don't throw a guy out. You know, you're like he he knew the formula to win it. And then some people say, well, he just just because he got Peyton Manning. Well, Peyton Manning had that amazing offensive year his first year here. Peyton Manning was dreadful the last year and a half that he was here, including he was he had one of the worst win percentages to win a Super Bowl ever. So don't tell me it was it was Peyton that won it. It was the defense that they built that won it. And he built that defense in about a two year span. So that's why I don't want like the idea of getting rid of him, but Man, if that's how short the leashes are, he should be gone. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of the Broncos, they just they are thin at a lot of spots. You know, you could see that in the game that they played against the Raiders. They're just thin. Yeah. I, what do you think happens this week against the Bears? Well, the Bears didn't exactly have a very good opening game against the Packers. That was one of the snoozers of snoozers to start the season off. Um, it depends how Trevinsky plays. If Trevinsky and that running game can get going, the Bears will be fine, but they couldn't get any running against the Packers going. But are, are the Packers that much improved this year with the offense and their defense? Or is that just the Bears – not executing um, their style of play that they brought to the table last year. Because it's very disturbing when you look at the line stats or the, the box score for that game of the ineptitude of the Bears' offense. So it's going to be, I mean, this is the home opener. It's sent mile high. And, you know, which Bear team shows up? Is it the Bears that played well last year or is it the Bears that stunk up the joint opening night of the NFL? Yeah, I uh... – we have Cecil Lammy that is a local uh, broadcaster here. He's from uh, the site Football Guys, if you enjoy that site. He's a big-time uh, scouting and, and player reviewer. And he uh, was talking about the Bears. And he was saying that Mitchell Trubinsky is a very overrated quarterback in terms of his scalability level, that he's not really a dependable quarterback. And I thought it was kind of harsh, you know, considering that, you know, had a good year last year and looked strong. And he said that, no, it was, it was basically the players around him that kept him from showing through, but that he thinks that he has some tells that have come out. And one of the biggest tells for him is that he wants to be a first read and done guy. And so that the Broncos should intentionally leave a guy in a certain space in the field open underneath so that they'll throw to him and then just swarm in for the tackle. And then if they do that, the Bears shouldn't get that many first downs, and they should be able to beat them. But if they play back, if they try and blitz him, like, you know, because they obviously like to blitz Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, he was saying if they want to try and blitz Trubisky, it's the wrong move. You don't want to blitz him and make him scramble, because if he scrambles, then he actually is better. What you want to do is play back a little bit and keep him in the pocket, keep him between the tackles where he's not as effective. And I thought that was an interesting game. That is correct. I don't know that the Broncos will do that, but it's an interesting idea. 
No, that's 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 actually a pretty much the M.O. on Trevinsky. And it was that way coming um, out of North Carolina, too. You know, he had some glaring flaws, but he could run the ball. He wasn't the, that accurate of a passer ever in college. And I don't know what his passer rating was last year off the top of my head, but, you know, it it makes sense. If you can get him, and and, and, and the Broncos, a whole other thing, I mean, I mean, I could listen. I heard the volume because we went and got – it was burger night last uh, Monday night. And um, I don't really remember Von Miller's name even getting called last week, hardly. And that was a surprise. As far as I know, there wasn't a single hit, pressure, or sack on uh, David Carr last week, right? Right. He looked like an all-world beater. Yeah, which he's not. <laughs> so – that was, uh, not. Let's just say that was a very a very disappointing game for a Bronco fan. The offense, so the way I can describe it the best is no intensity. No, I don't know if it's, no creativity maybe would be the way to say it. it the offense just it feels like it's a vanilla play every time. And you know, Joe Flacco got hit hard early, and I swear on his yep. face, the rest of that game was, I don't want to be here. I don't want to play behind this line. I did this in in, in Baltimore. I don't have the, the wheels to escape. I can't play if I don't have time to throw. And I've never been a big fan of Flacco, and I'm, obviously I hope he has a good year this year for us, but I, I don't have much faith in it. Um, I, I've never thought he was a very good quarterback. I don't think he's very accurate. I don't think he makes great decisions. And he is, he is pretty close, or, uh, not, um, he's a Vinny Testaverde back then, right? I mean, he's not moving. So uh, it could be a real long, a real long year. Uh, it's almost – how they looked last week, almost want to say it's Drew, Drew Locke time. And I would usually be against that all the way. But if, if they play this bad again this week as they did last week, it's time to blow it up. It is time to trade Von Miller to try, see if you can still get a couple of first rounders for him. Trade Chris Harris, try and get a third rounder for him. Trade Derek Wolf, try and get a third rounder. Um, or you know, if you can get more, I mean, trade Emmanuel Sanders. See if you can maybe get a second pick, you know, from a team like the Patriots. Well, the Patriots don't need him, but somebody who could use him, you know, Saints maybe. Um, you know, it, it just blow it all up. Get some good draft picks. Get this team younger. Get them faster. That was the other thing I felt like I saw in the Oakland game. Am I crazy? The Broncos looked like they were half as fast. You know, I, I watched the game with a, a friend of mine that was born and is born and raised here and has Broncos season tickets for the last, I don't know how many years. And uh, you hit the word vanilla, lack of any sort of imagination of, of play calling. He said the same thing as we were sitting there watching it, eating some burgers and fries. And it was one of those, he just kept watching and watching, and it was so predictable and so just uneventful. I mean, that, it, was, it was uneventful watching that offense. And then you look at the defense, the strong point of the team, the Raiders ran right down their throat with Josh Jacobs. By the way, I, I told you that yeah, kid was going to be a stud. <laughs> hey, I got him in my dynasty so. league, man. I'm very happy with that, that acquisition. Very happy. And oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just watching that Bronco game was I, I just sitting there watching it. You just felt deflated that you're watching kind of the 
just another version with other players on the field again from last year. You know, that's the, that's the, the worst part is last year there was a lot of us saying, well, you know, Vance Joseph is just not on it. He's not ready. He's not getting the team ready. They're not prepared. I, I do feel like they didn't make all the – they didn't make the small mistakes they were always making under Vance Joseph, right? They were more fundamentally sound. There was a lot less um, holding calls. There was a lot less penalties uh, on, on big plays. Of course, they didn't have any big plays, which is probably part of it. Maybe they should be holding a little bit more. Um, but – just yeah, I mean, boy, it was not the jump forward I thought we were going to see with this line uh, under Munchak with the acquisition of James. Although he got hurt already, so I don't know what I don't even know what the prognosis is on him. I haven't looked. I'm kind of afraid to look, honestly. Um, it, you know, and I, I probably shouldn't say if it is bad next week we should just blow it up because sometimes it takes, you know, it could take five games for the new coaching stuff to actually kind of take effect, right? I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. But there is a big concern of, was this whole let's not play the starters in preseason, was that a mistake? When you have a team that's this bad and has been bad, you know, and they've been one of the, you know, I mean, they picked what? Well, I guess they picked 10 last year, which is kind of surprising for, I thought they weren't very good, but uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's just really frustrating. For, for a team that's been so good for most of its I – mean, like what the, for the long time they had more Super Bowl appearances than they had losing seasons under Pat Bowlen, you know? And right. Right. it just feels like – I don't know. I don't know if it's just that they, they really needed to do a full teardown and didn't do it. But, like, why can't – why are the Patriots always able to pick up somebody and always able to get deep teams you know, why are the Eagles so deep at positions that they're able to spend big dollars on five running backs, and yet the Broncos can't get themselves a, an offensive line? And I guess you could say, well, they need to start spending more high draft picks on the offensive line because it's just has killed this team for four years in a row. But then they spent one high pick on, you know, Garrett Bowles, and he's a disaster. So I don't even know, yeah. you know, how they do it. They, and they don't seem to take a lot of, offensive linemen and they don't seem to sign a lot of offensive linemen and the one that they did sign for big bucks you know like I said he got hurt in week one I don't know man I mean you know more about football on a fundamental level than I do what should the Broncos do like what do they need to actually do to make the team better well I, I want to bring up a point that you kind of just briefly hit about a lot of the teams not playing their starters in preseason games, and the Eagles were one of them. The Eagles stunk up the joint against the Redskins in the opening half of football, and then they got back on track. Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson was Deshaun Jackson, and Carson Wentz was one of the best deep balls there is, and they finally got back on track. So, you know, had to pump the brakes a little bit with them. And I said this last week on the show, you know, if you want to look for the, the teams that are going to be scoring points, look for the teams that played their, you know, Players in preseason, namely the Patriots, the Chiefs, they all played. You know, Tom Brady went into the third quarter in one of the preseason games. And look how good they looked the other night. I mean, right now in the AFC, besides maybe the Chiefs, who can stop that team? And, you know, you kind of take a step back with what you're asking with the Broncos is, I think you do at some point, at some point during the season, 
if you're sitting there at, let's say you're sitting there at three, I'm going to pull up their schedule here just so I can see it real quick here. Um, if you're just sitting there at, you know, maybe three and five or, or whichever it is, like I said, I'm just bear with me here. I'm going to pull up your schedule. There they are. Um, you know, at one point, because we got the Bears, they have to go to the Packers. They've got the Jaguars. They've got to go to the Chargers. They got to play the Titans. They got to play the Chiefs at Arrowhead. They got to go to the Colts, and they play the Browns. They have to go at the Vikings, and they have to go back on the East Coast at the Bills on that early game. You know, that's always been trouble for teams. And then they have to play at the Texans, at the Chiefs, Lions, Raiders. I mean, it's not, it's not an easy schedule by any means, you know, out there. Mark, still there? I'm sorry about that. I muted myself. <laughs> Um, oh, never I mind. I'm sorry. Like, I was like, did he go anywhere? This way? I just w- switched over to the blog talk page to make sure I didn't lose you. Absolutely. No, no, I, I started talking, but I was on mute. Um, my thing with the Broncos is I just worry that they're going to have a bad season and a really bad record, and maybe they, they jump the gun and they spend another high draft pick on a quarterback, you know, without even trying Drew Locke. And it's like, you know what? If you're going to use these high picks, use these high picks on offensive line. And like I said, I would, I would very much consider. I mean, the team doesn't look very good. The Chargers look pretty good. The Chiefs look like they haven't really lost the step. You're probably not making the playoffs. Maybe you just blow it up, and you really do. You try and get younger, and you try and. I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like. I don't see. Maybe she's, there's too much money locked up in Emmanuel Sanders and Von Miller. I don't know if that's what it is. I think that Tom Brady. Shows people like how much smarter he is than a lot of players, right? A lot of players, and you know what? It's always easy to say this in hindsight, right? Because we're older and we're like, well, this is what I would have done. It's harder when you're young and your and your your ego has been pumped up your whole life, and you think you're just everything, you know, God's gift to earth, and it's hard for you to, um, you know, accept a lower pay or not get what you think you're worth. But look at Tom Brady. Every time he signs a contract, then when they come around to the next season, he renegotiates it. He takes a lesser amount, but he gets it all in a signing bonus chunk, so it's guaranteed. And then he goes on to the next year. And it's like, you know, by doing that, he frees up like $25 million every season for them to use on other players. And it's like, why why don't other players get that? Why don't other high-paid players understand that? It's like, yeah, you know, you may not be guaranteed as many seasons, but if you are constantly, you know, you don't have to sign sweetheart deals. You can sign a expensive deal or, or a, a serious deal for serious money, but you just are like, you know what? Hey, I, we have the uh, unwritten, you know, um, understanding that every year you're going to take my salary for that year and you're going to change it into signing bonus money, and that's going to give you cap room to use on the team, you know, or, or whatever it is that the Patriots do, because how is it the Patriots are able to swoop in and grab Antonio Brown after the Raiders drop him? And they give him, what, $9 million guaranteed and a $15 million base and a $20 million option for next season? Like, how do they have $20 million of a year, a year to offer this guy? 
How is a team that does that yeah, good? That's, a, that's, that's an interesting that? point. So, that's a, that's a know, really big interesting point. Is how do they really get, get that money freed up, to have that kind of money to get AB out of nowhere? And maybe it's something as nefarious as Robert Kraft doesn't have to follow the rules. You know, maybe that he is kind of the, the – the, him and Jerry Jones are kind of the two top dogs, and the NFL can't do anything about it. They couldn't try to knock him off, even if they, if they wanted to, which I don't think they do. They certainly couldn't because Robert Kraft is just – he's too powerful. His team has been one of the best teams, if not the best team, and he has a, a legit dynasty – going on like 15 years. And it is kind of funny when you look at the World Series or the Super Bowl championships for the Patriots, they had like a 10 or 11-year drought where they didn't actually win the Super Bowl. It was like from like 2006 to 2014 or something. I mean, there was a pretty long drought or 2000. I can't remember what it is, but there was a, there was a significant time where they didn't actually win a World uh, Super Bowl, and then they started winning them again. They made the playoffs, obviously, all those years, but they just didn't actually you know, get to the Super Bowl game or win the Super Bowl uh, title. Two of those being, I think, the New York Giants that knocked them off. Um, but I mean, yeah, that was 2006. The Giants knocked them off. Yeah, I mean, when you've had that kind of a dynasty for that long, you're going to have a lot of power in the league because people are like, "Well, we need your team. We need your team to be who it is." Even at this point now, people don't want them to win. Everybody is groaning about them signing Antonio Brown, but who does it you want to beat in the Super Bowl or in the AFC Championship if it's your team? The Patriots, that's who you want to beat. I want to beat the best team. You don't want to beat some scrub. You want to beat the best, right? That's what makes it more fulfilling. I mean, the Eagles have to have loved that the team they actually ended up beating was the Patriots, and they, and they kind of beat them at their own game, you know? So, yep. anyway, let's, uh, before we run out of time, um, I, I'll, Nate isn't here to do his picks of the week, so I was just going to give people the two bets that I've made so far on Bovada. Okay. Uh, I've done – now, last week was a tough week. Um, I have a group of friends. We all do bets, and we kind of share who we're betting on. And we don't bet the same games because we just oftentimes have different feelings on games. But we do like to compare and contrast and see how each other did and all that kind of stuff. And last week was not a great week overall. I mean, I think on average, uh, guys didn't have the best results. You know, I think Nate has actually gone one in five. Uh, on his bets, which is is kind of staggering uh, for what he does. And he usually has, you know, very good weeks, especially early in the season. But it's kind of a weird, was kind of a weird start to the season. And we are going to run through the games real quick, uh, more than anything else, to make sure that you're kind of prepared fantasy-wise or understand what players have done. The two bets I threw out there, uh, number one, Miami. Miami is playing at home versus New England. And it's a 19-point spread, and if you watched last week, the Ravens tore them a new one. I mean, they just destroyed the Dolphins so badly that some Dolphins players uh, have talked to their agents about exploring uh, if they can get traded because they're worried the team isn't even trying to win. They're just going for the number one draft pick and, and whatnot. And so it's a huge spread. 19 is a massive spread in an NFL game. That doesn't happen very often. Patriots rolled over the Patriots. Their defense looked phenomenal. Their offense could have scored another 30 points if it wanted to. Uh, it was just a thrashing of what you would consider to be uh, a possible Super Bowl contender in the, in, in, the, in the Steelers. So the reason I took this bet is and Nate oftentimes will talk about a bookie bet. A bookie bet is where everyone and their mother is betting on a certain team, and you bet the other way, and you end up 
uh, cleaning house a lot of times because uh, you're going to get unrealistic numbers that you shouldn't get, and you're getting such an advantage that these bets win. And I've seen him win a lot of money on those kind of bets. To me, this kind of screams bookie bet. Uh, everyone and their mother has got to be betting on the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. Saying, well, the Dolphins couldn't even score a touchdown or um, eventually scored a touchdown, I think, but just abysmal scoring. They've got nothing. They got no quarterback really. They got a quarterback issue going on, um, and uh, Patriots are on a roll. So I just think the house the, or the public is going to be betting heavy on that game for the Patriots. So I took the Dolphins at plus 19. Second bet was the Vikings. They're playing against the Packers. Um, they are at the Packers. What I've noticed about a is our, uh, NFC North teams: Packers, Lions, Bears, and Vikings. Always seem like they play each other tight. Always seem like they play each other close. So the Vikings are plus three. They're getting points on the road against a division rival. The, the Packers' defense looks strong. Their offense looks a little middling last week. Uh, Vikings look like they are on banging on all cylinders. Dalvin Cook is healthy. When Dalvin Cook is healthy and that defense is on point, that's going to be a real good team. So uh, that's the other bet I took with the Vikings. I'm only taking those two bets, see how I do in the morning, and then uh, I may do some bets in the afternoon. But for the gambling corner this week, going to recommend the Dolphins at plus 19, Vikings at plus 3. So, uh, but let's and, you know, to... I'd like to add something real quick about your Patriots again. Uh, the Patriots historically have not played well in Miami on the road. That's one of the places they have problems, even though Miami is very, very down after watching Baltimore crush them opening day. Um, but the Patriots have always struggled down there at Hard Rock Stadium, which used to be Landshark Stadium so on and so forth. So that's just something else to point out, you know, because that is a huge point spread. That's actually a really good point. The, the wild card first made it to – or wild cast first made its appearance on the Miami Dolphins' side against the Patriots when they beat them. And uh, you're absolutely right. They, they're more – they have actually taken it to the Patriots more than most teams. Um, yep. I guess that's their one saving grace. Is they may not have been a good team most of these years, but they've tried to build a team that can compete with the Patriots, and they have many years. So, uh, great point, great point. Uh, so, jumping through base or football, and we won't spend much time on each game because we're down to about 15 minutes. Uh, Redskins-Eagles, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, Redskins were hot to start. Case Keenum made the Broncos look like it was all their fault. Uh, as he rattled off, I think, two touchdowns and um, – or actually had three touchdowns when he, got, he had one gun at the very, very end to cover the uh, overs. And uh, Case Keenum looked great, 380 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I don't know who on the Redskins you want to start the most as a receiver. Uh, That's a tricky call. Geis is now out for a while with his injury. Uh, pick up Adrian Peterson. Pick up Chris Thompson. They say Adrian Peterson is a starter, which is interesting after he was a healthy scratch last week. Uh, which I don't think that move made any sense at all other than just trying to keep, I guess, the pressure off of guys. Uh, but pick up Adrian Peterson, pick up Chris Thompson. You could probably start either one of them if you're really needing someone in a flex spot. Um, if, if you don't need someone in a flex spot, I mean, really look at the matchups before you, you, you start those guys. But uh, two guys, not a bad idea to pick up to your bench. On the Eagles, you mentioned Deshaun Jackson. He looks like he's the real deal, uh, that he's, he sits in real well at home. The Ravens had them all off season. Looked like they had something behind it. Carson Wentz, of course, looking great. Uh, uh, Eagles running backs, uh, not really. Uh, it's kind of I, kind of how I felt before the season. 
Uh, their running backs are not really people you want on your fantasy team, not from a lack of talent, but from a lack of carries, a lack of touches. They, they spread the ball around so yep. much. It's going to be hard for a running back to really be worth it if he doesn't crack the end zone a couple of times. Uh, I think Miles got one TD last week. But, I mean, Darren Sproles ended up having the most yards on the ground. That's, that's not a good sign. Um, again, the team, for the, for the football team, it's great. For fantasy, it's not. Uh, Carson Wentz looked great. Uh, Ertz did not look good. Expect Ertz to, to really pick it up this weekend. We've got the Titans and the Browns. Uh, well, you know, we talked about this earlier in our fantasy reviews. Derrick Henry, first round numbers at the end of the year last year, but he really didn't start producing until the end of the year. So it was a little misconstrued. Weren't sure what we were really going to make of him. Uh, looked fantastic. He was running the ball with purpose. He was making catches out of the backfield. Uh, he got himself at least one touchdown, if not two. I think he had, I think he had two. I think he had a long reception one and then a long run, like a 75-yard run or a catch and run. I believe he had two. What's that? I think he had two. I'm, just, I'm looking right now. Um, he had a rushing touchdown. Uh, I'm trying the to see if he had a receiving maybe. I think he had like a, like a screen pass for like 70 yards or something. Um, going on in that game, A.J. Brown, the rookie receiver, looked very good. If he's available in your league, pick him up. I'm not sure that he'll have a, a year where he can start a lot, but be a nice guy to throw in there uh, if, he's, if he's legit uh, and, and become the favorite receiver for Mariota. Be a nice guy to have for those flex weeks uh, when you've got the buys going on, especially the heavy buy weeks. And uh, so take a good look at him. Baker Mayfield did not look so good. In fact, the Browns looked just terrible. It looked like the Browns. I don't know what's going on. I don't. It's week one. Let's not jump the gun. But man, that looks like the the Browns all over again. Just terrible. Uh, I've got Nick Chubbs in one of my team, and boy, he didn't do much. Uh, just OBJ had a fair number of catches for some yardage, so he'll get some points, but no TDs. Um, Jarvis Landry was kind of invisible. Uh, Najoku had that one touchdown, but he was kind of invisible. Just not what we were looking for. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens going around um, or going on. But uh, Derrick Henry, if you didn't get him, uh, if he was somehow out there available or available easy on trade, I'd, I'd pick that guy up. Uh, we talked about the Ravens and the Dolphins. Lamar Jackson was incredible. Five touchdowns, running all over the place. Just lit him up like a Christmas tree. Um, Antonio Brown's cousin, Marquise Brown. First game, two touchdowns, two long touchdowns. He looks like a nice player to pick up on a what-the-heck flex or a what-the-heck pickup to see if he can continue that kind of thing. Dolphins, boy, I hope you didn't fall for oh, – Marquise Ingram, Mark Ingram also had a nice little day for Baltimore. Uh, but for the Dolphins, I hope you don't have a Dolphin on your team. Uh, Kalen Belange or Kinder and Drake or whatever, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't, don't start any Dolphins. They're terrible. Uh, Vikings and Falcons, this was a crazy game. Uh, this ending score, 28-12, it wasn't that close, though. That, that's garbage, that touchdowns. That game was almost a 28 to nothing route. Uh, like I was saying, Dalvin Cook running well, defense playing strong. The Vikings, when they're like that, they're going to be hard to beat. Um, as the question's always been, we all know Dalvin Cook is phenomenal talent. It's can he stay healthy long enough to make an impact? Uh, if you've got on your fantasy squad, you're feeling good. Make sure you've got Malcolm as his backup. Looked at good in his own right. Um, or was it Malcolm? Oh, what's his name? Is it Malcolm? I'm sorry. Look up the – I can't think off the top of my head. The backup receiver or backup running back 
to Dalvin Cook. He got some good carries and he looked good. And if Dalvin goes down, it could be a very nice pickup the way McKinnon was two years ago and uh, Latavius Murray was last year. Uh, as far as the Falcons, Julio got a touchdown in week one, which is great. Not many catches, not many yards. Devontae Freeman did almost nothing. Ito ended up having almost as many carries, which is concerning. Offense looks terrible. Uh, defense doesn't look much better. We'll see if they can pull together this week. Uh, but then again, that NFC South is just kind of like a dog division anyway. The Buccaneers look terrible. The Carolina Panthers look terrible. The Falcons look terrible. Uh, it's, I, I, you know, uh, just start the players at your own list kind of thing. Matt Ryan didn't do much either. Well, I take that back. Matt Ryan had 300 yards and two touchdowns because of the garbage. So uh, you probably could keep starting him. Uh, Bills Jets. Uh, JP, did you watch that game at all, the Bills versus the Jets? You know, I didn't get a chance to watch that one. Um, interesting final score. Uh, you know, Josh Allen did have the 254 in that game. Um, it was one of those games where, well, you know, Sam Darnold now has mono. He's going to miss probably, right. they say, up five weeks. But um, Le'Veon Bell it has a clear MRI from what I heard yesterday afternoon. Yes, yes. He's supposed to be fine. Um, but, yeah, that team was a little lackluster. And at first it was just uh, – the only points on the whole board were defensive points for a fair amount of the game uh, until the Bills were able to do a little bit something down the end there. Josh Allen had a nice little comeback, kept poised, he kept in, kept in it, he just didn't – he just kept plugging away. Um, they kept the Jets from scoring too many points, and they had some late-game late, uh, hijinks and won it. Uh, John Brown, pick him up as another what-the-heck – kind of guy. You should always do that in fantasy. Your last three fantasy slots on your bench, don't ever fall too much in love with a guy unless he's actually done something for you that year. Drop those guys. Pick up these what-the-heck players because you never know, man. That Anquan Bolden rookie year, that OBJ rookie year. I mean, you, there's always these players you pick up. They have a great first week. Everyone says, oh, no, they just had a good first week. Nothing else will happen. Before you know it, you're week five, and they're one of the top five players in that position. John Brown's one of those guys. Go pick them up and just see if it continues. He is the primary target for a team that's probably going to be throwing significantly. Devin Singletary, if you pick him up in your dynasty, you think you're going to feel real good right now. That guy had a fantastic first game, four carries, 70 yards. 70 yards. The guy's explosive. Now, I know you're saying just four plays, it was probably just kind of a fluke. I'm sure part of it is a fluke. But I watched most of that game, and he looked good. He should be getting at least 10 carries next week, and, he should, and it should only increase as time goes by. So that would be my impression there. Uh, great player to get if you don't have him. Uh, if you're in a redraft league, I would still say he's probably worth a pickup if you've got a slot. But uh, I don't know if he'll continue this all year, and a lot of times rookies do get tired as you come down the stretch. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Rams, Panthers, uh, you know what, McCaffrey looked like Christian McCaffrey. Cam Newton not looking so hot. Uh, Gurley had lots of yards, but boy, Malcolm Brown was giving both of the touchdown carries inside the red zone, inside the five or the 10-yard line. That used to be Gurley's milieu. I mean, that was why Gurley out, like, paced the league in touchdowns for two years in a row. He got all those carries. He never gave those up. Now he is, and maybe because they're trying to protect him. Gurley had 90 yards, so he didn't do poorly at all. He just is not going to get those touchdowns. And when you go from averaging 15 touchdowns to averaging six or seven, you're going to be a very different fantasy player. So um, make sure you at the very least pick up his backup in case you're going to need him down the line. 
Um, Goff didn't look great. Didn't have a ton of yards, but um, it's the Rams. I think they'll, I think they'll ride that ship. Uh, Chiefs. You know, we talked about players. Thing to point out is Christian McCaffrey did play Thursday night and was limited to about 40 or 46 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah, and they had, some, they had some good passes and stuff, but they played really good defense in that game, and I think the field conditions were bad from that massive torrential rainstorm that they had that rolled through and caused yeah, that delay. So, um, yeah, but but yeah it, no, he it, didn't it have a good field right before to start. What's that? It poured on that field right before the start. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that field just got drenched. So, uh, And then in the Chiefs and the Jaguars, LaShawn McCoy, he looked good. Definitely a timeshare with Damian Williams, which is a disappointment for Damian Williams owners. We talked about players not playing a lot in the preseason. Tyreek Hill goes down with a sternum and a collar injury, much like uh, Nick Foles out for the year with a broken collarbone. These are not good injuries, and I don't know, you know, who knows if playing or not playing has anything to do with it, but I, I don't know, man. Maybe just stepping into game time speed is dangerous. Mahomes got hurt, although he's okay, uh, but he was definitely limping during the latter part of that game. Mahomes still had his 400-yard three TD game, so he's looking fantastic. Um, Watkins, that's the guy to pick up. He's going to be getting a lot of those. Uh, and then also Madburn, who's going to be the rookie that's drafted, who's going to take some Tyreek snaps, get him. Jaguars. If it's not Fournette, I don't think you even want anybody on that team. Uh, forget D.D. Westbrook. Uh, Colts and Chargers, T.Y. Hilton looks like he's good to go, even without uh, Andrew Luck. Andre, uh, uh, Austin Eckler looks like they don't need Melvin Gordon at all, and it does look like a Melvin Gordon starting to backstep a little bit. Backpedal, I think he knows he may, not, uh, he may have uh, made the wrong decision by holding out. Uh, Rivers looked pretty good. Uh, Marlon Mack had a real nice game, which was kind of a shock to me. Keenan Allen had a great game, but I don't buy Keenan Allen. He just, he's a boomer bust guy, and, and he hurts too much. Bengals and Seahawks, pretty boring game, but uh, Chris Carson looked good. John Ross looking to bust out. There's another what-the-heck pickups pick guy. Uh, so we've got a couple minutes here. Uh, Cowboys, Giants, play your Cowboy players, and if it's not Saquon Barkley, maybe don't play your, play your Giants. Uh, Lions, Cardinals, hey, David Johnson, nice resurgence. Stafford, great game. Hawkinson. Maybe he is a rookie tight end worth taking. Uh, some good play in that game. It was a shocking uh, comeback by Kyrie Irving at the end. Or, uh, sorry, yeah, Ky- uh, Kyler Murray. Or, no, what's his name? Uh, Kyler Murray, right? The quarterback for the, for the Kyler Cardinals. Murray, yeah. From Kyler uh, Murray, yep. He had, he had a nice comeback uh, in the second half. He looked pretty good. He did. So he stunk up the first half. Yeah, boy, he sure did. But look real in the second half. And, and he and David Johnson seem to have a good connection passing-wise, which is a big, big thing for uh, David Johnson owners. That's a nice thing to see. 49ers, Buccaneers. Buccaneers are terrible. They are terrible. They are terrible. Uh, and I don't even know what to think about uh, their fantasy prospects. I mean, Mike Evans has been uneven. Ronald Jones, I don't know. Winston, not that good. Uh, Garoppolo didn't look that great. Uh, Kittle looked okay. Uh, maybe Brietta is a good pickup now because Seven Coleman went down. Not a lot of those two teams right now that, that I would get super excited about. Uh, Patriots and Steelers. Uh, wow. Uh, Patriots rolled. Uh, did what you expect them to do. James White had a nice first half. was silent in the second half. Uh, Dorsett had a nice game for the Patriots, but he probably won't get much catches with Antonio Brown now there. Brady looked his potential. Brady looked great. 
Uh, Pittsburgh looks terrible all around. Don't panic. It's the Steelers. They'll figure it out. Hopefully, the losing Mike Munchak isn't going to destroy them. And uh, Texans Saints, uh, both quarterbacks look great. Reed and Watson, both looking stellar. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, both look great. Uh, running game for the Texans wasn't wasn't fantastic, but DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller both had nice little games. So that's just a quick round out for the league and kind of what the fantasy implications are. Uh, obviously, who they play this week will have a big impact on that. And it, it always is nice to have more than one game to give a good analysis on fantasy players. So that's what we've got for the NFL. Anything left from you, JP? No, that's going to round up our time today. Thanks for being on the being on the air with us there, Mark Ademus. I know you have some house sitting and um, stuff to do today. Uh, I want to thank everyone yeah, for, for tuning in. And, and time for some walks. So sit back and enjoy your sports weekend. Offensive?